Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of January 6th through January 28th, 2023. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing well out there. I almost messed up saying 2022 instead of 2023, but caught it in time. Uh, it's a new year, so we've got a bit to go through, uh, of course, and it is also late in the week because there's a lot of podcasting going on because it's Oscar season right now. Um, of course, you know, for this podcast, we have to catch up on the films that debuted in late December, how they've done during our brief hiatus, particularly Avatar. Uh, and in this, we also talk about the new releases this past weekend. Then we also have to go over the year and total box office stats for the global and domestic market. Um, and then I also want to make some predictions about which films could hit specific benchmarks for this coming year as a measure of recovery. Now, next week, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive into the movies from the first four months of this year on a week-by-week basis. Uh, but for now, we'll keep it high level. Uh, looking into the box office from this week and the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, first off, co- of course, we got to check in on Avatar Way of Water's box office. In the four weeks since its debut, it's been at number one for each weekend. This past weekend coming in first place with a $45.8 million total for the weekend uh, in 4,340 theaters for 10,562 per theater average. Domestic total, $517 million. Now, while the first weekend had, did ha- uh, the second weekend had a 53% drop, partly due to that pretty nasty winter storm, uh, over the New Year holiday it recovered about 6% before dropping 32% this weekend. It did have its daily number one streak um, broken on Friday by our new opener from this weekend uh, by a margin of only about 300000 or so, but still very well done. Uh, globally, it's made a massive $1.2 billion overseas, approaching a $1.75 billion today, uh, to- total today. Um, in China specifically, it's approaching $200 million US, which given the COVID situation there is pretty impressive. It also got an expansion in China to be able to run through February 14th, though with Lunar New Year coming up in a couple of weekends and the debut of various films such as The Wandering Earth 2, the sequel to the fifth highest ghosting film of China of all time, uh, it might have faced some stiff competition. Uh, that said, on the all-time charts, Avatar is already number one for 2022, passing Top Gun Maverick, uh, number 16 on the domestic all-time chart, number five in the all-time overseas chart, which is only behind two other Cameron films in an Infinity War and Endgame, and then number seven on the all- all-time worldwide list. Uh, Cameron has confirmed that Avatar 2 has been profitable, so strap in, we're getting three more sequels over the next uh, half decade or so. Uh, the next cup, the next film we're going to talk about is the newcomer that we saw that the break Avatar's number one daily streak. It was Megan, it was spelled with a three, uh, from Universal, opening to an impressive thirty point four million in three thousand five hundred and nine theaters for an eight thousand six hundred and seventy two per theater average, a nearly twenty five percent increase over the twenty four million forecasted by box office pros. It's another seventeen million or so overseas, put it about forty seven million or so globally. Um, off of the twelve million production budget, it had basically made back on Friday. Uh, this one is basically another financial success for both James Wan and Blumhouse collaborated on this one. And this one had a strong walk-up business with only about 5% pre-sales, uh, but had a B-cinema score, good for a horror film, and a notable 62% of the audience under the 34-year-old demographic. After that first thrill, I kind of predicted that the weird dance the robot would do would make for great TikTok and marketing content uh, to go viral, which I suspect it's over-indexing on that younger demographic. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but I suspect this film will be one of those to break 100 million dollars domestically by the end of its run this year. On top of that, apparently a sequel is already in the works, much like Smile did last year, so good job. Horror is definitely uh, one of the top uh, genres uh, post-pandemic. 
Uh, third place this weekend was the was the latest animated film we covered in our last episode, uh, Puss in Boots: uh, Last Wish. After opening to 12 million the week after Avatar, it actually gained 35% over the new year to 16 million, and it dropped only 19% uh, to 13.5 million in 3,919 theaters for a 3,455 per theater average and an 88 million dollar domestic total to date. I think this one should hit $100 million by the end of this coming weekend, as I have predicted, and with another $120 million overseas, it's already hit $210 million as of uh, Sunday, already twice its $90 million production budget. The, that's lack of good kids movies over the last half of second year, plus the award season buzz it's getting uh, is really helping it out. Fourth place this week went to the new Tom Hanksville um, that had its uh, limited release over New Year's. A Man Called Otto opened in four theaters for $56,000, uh, $14,000 per theater average, which, given the other films this year, isn't all that terrible. They're definitely not near the top. It did expand out to 637 theaters this past week for a $4.2 million total and a 6597 per theater average. is very decent, very, very good, um, though it may be a little bit late for awards season at this point in time. A uh, fifth place wrapping up the top five is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Saw a 47% increase from Christmas to New Year's before dropping 32% this past weekend to 3.5 million in 2,255 theaters for 15,163 um, uh, uh, per theater average and a 445 million domestic total as of week nine. So we had another 380 million overseas for an 826 million worldwide total. Uh, this one I think got a little bit of help as a, since as opposed to the 60-day theatrical window for Thor. Love and Thunder between its theatrical release and coming to Disney Plus. This one is going to be extending until February 1st for an 81-day theatrical window. Uh, Angela Bassett also won the Golden Globe for supporting actress this past week, uh, so I think that's to help extend its life a little bit longer. To perhaps I think 450 million is probably a lot, and then even 460 million domestically by the end of its run. Um, and, uh, uh, another, uh, there were some other couple films that came out the last couple of weeks. Um, the Whitney Houston biopic and Babylon uh, did not do so well. Um, they were the only films in addition to Violet Night, which has been out for already a month at this point, uh, over the New Year's weekend to see a drop from Christmas to, uh, to New Year's. Whitney Houston dropped 16%, Babylon dropped 28%, which is pretty bad. Uh, uh, which is pretty bad. Uh, both declined further this week, with Whitney Houston dropping 39 theaters to 2.4 million, uh, with a 759 per theater average, um, while uh, Babylon dropped 46% down to 13.5 million total, um, as it lost 970 theaters with only a 596 per theater average. Uh, I was able to see was able to see this in actually a fairly full theater near me. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely can see why it wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea, especially with another three-hour movie like Avatar. But personally, I found it one of the most enjoyable films that I've seen in a little while. Um, the Whale also had its uh, seen increase, uh, had seen some increases, up 36% from Christmas to New Year, gaining 20 theaters, and then uh, going up to 212 theaters this past weekend uh, to get another 9% week over week. Uh, Limited-wise, the new uh, Hirokazu Koreeda film Brokers uh, opened from Neon in four theaters on the 26th and made 53000 by the end of the week, a 7.1000 per theater average over the weekend, nothing too special. And then expanded out to 17 theaters with a 4336 per theater average this past week. Uh, Corsage, the Austrian entry for international film, jumped from three to three hundred theaters this past weekend, um, and Spanish entry all across from movie opened in five theaters for an eleven thousand total for a two point two thousand per theater average, which probably isn't that great. I think its Oscar chances uh, are kind of dwindling as it as it goes on. 
Uh, overall, for the first uh, box office weekend of the year, we saw $106.2 million, helped by a very strong opening from Megan, as well as the leftover Avatar performance. Uh, next week, over the long Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, we have The Devil Conspiracy, uh, The House Party from Warner Brothers, Plane, uh, the new Gerald Butler film, and then A Man Called Otto expanding even further. Plus, in limited, uh, we have Saint Omer and Skinkamarink. Um, of these, A Man Called Otto is expected to move into third with $12 million. A Plane is expected to open to its $7 million, and then House Party with only $2.1 million. The rest of the films don't have any forecasts at this point in time. Now, you know, those were the, the this past week, but let's take a look back at the whole year of 2022 and some just overall box office stats. So according to Goer Street Analytics, the total global box office this year was $25.9 billion. This is about a 27% gain on last year's box office total of $21.4 billion, uh, which is a great recovery. Uh, it's even better if you look at North America, we're up 65%, uh, $7.5 billion against $4.4 billion in 2021. Uh, the overseas market uh, is only up 16%, which is dragged down by a by a China that lost 36% year over year uh, versus the prior year at only $4.33 billion. Russia uh, also lost box office for obvious reasons, about a 43% loss. Now, if you exclude China, though, overseas saw a $14.1 billion total or about a 55% year over year growth. Now, this is obviously great news for the recovery. It's still only about 35, it's still 35% below the pre pandemic average of 2017 to 2019, so about $14 billion total at current exchange rates. Uh, Japan has been a really strong point in this recovery. Uh, it's only 9.4% behind the pre-pandemic average, helped out by hits like One Piece Red and Slam Dunk, which helped distributor Toei uh, hit $246 million for the year, a record for them uh, uh, beating out the 2009 total in Japan from Toei of $136 million. Uh, overall, the top regions outside of the U.S. were China, then Japan, U.K., France, and then Korea, with Saudi Arabia getting a notable mention as a growth opportunity for the industry, um, even though it has does see some relatively harsh censorship of films such as with LGBT and other uh, political issues. Uh, looking at studios uh, over like studios overall globally, Disney came out in first place for the seventh year in a row, $4.9 billion or 31% of the market, obviously buoyed by uh, Avatar and three, Mar and three Marvel films. Uh, Universal came in number two, $3.9 billion or about 24.4%, anchored by Jurassic World and Minions, though Blumhouse films uh, also did very, very nicely, at least on the profitability margin. Uh, Paramount hopped into third place for the first time in over a decade, $2.6 billion, uh, 16.3%, about half of which uh, was Top Gun Maverick, but Sonic the Hedgehog was also fairly impressive. Uh, meanwhile, facing their acquisition woes, Warner came in fourth place with $2.45 billion, or about 15.3%, uh, the Batman being their biggest film, just under a billion dollars, uh, followed by Fantastic Beasts and Black Adam at under half a billion. Uh, rounding out the top five studios uh, is Sony with $2.12 billion or 13.3%, a large part of which was actually Spider-Man No Way Home, having a leftover run earlier in the year. But Uncharted was also its biggest new release of the year, as well as the acquisition of Crunchyroll helping with anime films. Uh, looking at uh, individual films, um, you know, we have first internationally, Avatar making $1.75 billion, uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, making $1.49 billion, uh, Jurassic World Dominion $1 billion, uh, 
uh, Doctor Strange 2, 952 million. Minions Rise of Gru, number 5, 937 million. Black Panther Wakanda Forever for $826 million. The Batman, $676 million. Thor Love and Thunder, $760 million. Battle of Lake Changjin from China, making $602 million. And another Chinese film, Moon Man, making $460 million. Uh, domestically, uh, it is uh, obviously the last couple a little different, but we still have Top Gun Maverick at number one, $718 million. Uh, Avatar Way of Water at number two, $525 million. Black Panther at number three, $446 million. Doctor Strange at number four, $411 million. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion, $376 million. Minions Rise of Gru, $369 million. Uh, the Batman was also $369 million in number seven, separated by only about $150,000 or so. Uh, number eight was Thor Love and Thunder, $343 million. And then we see a bit of a jump down to Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in number nine, only $190 million. And then Black Adam is sneaking into the 10th place spot with $168 million total. Uh, in the end, we ended up with 17, soon to be 18 with Puss in Boots, making $100 million uh, uh, total. Uh, Opening-wise, eight films. Uh, the first eight that I mentioned, the uh, Marvel films, Top Gun, Avatar, uh, and, and the Min uh, Jurassic World, Minions, and Batman, uh, all opening to $100 million for the year. Um, the highest being J Doctor Strange uh, at $187 million, uh, followed by Black Panther, $181 million, Jurassic World, Thor, and then Avatar, uh, beating out the Batman by about 100,000 total. And then, of course, at this very at smaller end of the market, we have the highest per theater average releases of the year. The Whale had a 55,000 opening uh, per theater average in six theaters. Everything Ever All at Once had a 50,000 opening in 10 theaters. Banshees of Innocent, 46,000 in four theaters. The Fablements, 40,000 in four theaters. And then Tar at 39,600 uh, in four theaters as well. So that's the year that was. And finally, let's go ahead and take a look at the year that is to come. I wanted to put some numbers out there to keep myself accountable. You know, first episode of the year. I think, you know, again, there are four levels of box office performance. First, we have the very top, the billion-dollar films, of which there were only three this year. Uh, second place, we have what I call the tentpole films, those that open to $100 million domestically. Uh, third, we have the mid-level films that don't necessarily open to $100 million, but do leg out over 100, to $100 million over the course of their run domestically. And these three, I think, are the most easily predictable um, the last category, the highest per theater averages that represent the small art house market, it's kind of hard to predict just because a lot of them are reliant on film reception and also the fact that uh, we don't always know the smaller films when they're going to be releasing um, and where exa what exactly the release plans are um, at this point in time early in the year. So I'm not going to try to predict those. First off, we have the billion-dollar films. Uh, looking historically from 2015 to 2018, um, you see about four or five films uh, hitting a billion dollars each year. Now, 2019 was a bit of an anomaly with nine films total, but hey, if you average this with, tw with 2020, uh, which had no billion-dollar films, it kind of averages out to four and a half films, right? Um, Post-pandemic, uh, 2021 had only one film making a billion dollars, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home. This past year, we only had three. Um, so you think you know we continue an upward linear trend, You know, maybe getting four or five films this year making a billion, but honestly, based on the slate, I would be very surprised if we saw more than three. Actually, uh, in fact, three would be would be impressive. Uh, most films, you know, to do so historically to make a billion dollars, you have to be part of a franchise, um, or in Zootopia's case, uh, have been uh, you know part of a uh, part of a, a the Disney brand, so to speak. Um, also, most of these had you know about a hundred million dollars opening. Some of the films had with a ninety million dollars, you know, had the benefit of maybe the holidays or maybe longer uh, legs of their animated film. And I also say, kind of like you know, with everything going on in China lately. 
lately, um, it's kind of been a lot more difficult for them to get to $1 million, $1 million as evidenced by the Marvel films this year uh, with China kind of sudding them out. So any film that definitely has a China uh, potential opening um, uh, basically will have a better shot at a billion dollars. So, you know, uh, I think this is also a good place for me to talk about the films I think will open to $100 million. Again, since I think that is a, a fairly, uh, a pretty, pretty good tell that the film has a decent chance at getting there. Um, though obviously not a sure thing. Uh, remember last year we had eight films total open to $100 million, which is actually in line in pre-pandemic numbers. Uh, from 2015 uh, through 2019, you'd see between, um, you'd see uh, you know, about five to eight opening films uh, with, with $100 million. And then even in uh, 2019, which had a crazy number of billion-dollar films, we only saw six films actually open to $100 million domestically. So, um, you know, I think we're pretty much at recovery point for these $100 million opening films. Um, it's a matter of uh, can, we, can we kind of maintain the same level. So going chronologically through the year, first up in February, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. This is a Marvel film, but perhaps, you know, to, to kind of hold it back, it's the weakest Marvel character box office-wise. The last two Ant-Man films only opened to less, both opened to less than $100 million. Now, that being said, this is the real kickoff to the Kang arc of the of the MCU. You know, Jonathan, the, the most recent trailers have looked really good uh, with Jonathan Majors as Kang as well as uh, MODOK uh, being featured. So that should be a big part of it getting to $100 million. Um, I don't know if this, I don't think this gets to a billion dollars worldwide just off of the nature of the character being relatively smaller and the fact that MCU is kind of in hot water with China at the moment. So um, no uh, $100 million opening, I will, I will stretch and say yes, but uh, no billion dollar film for Ant-Man. Uh, in April, we have the Super Mario Bros. movie, and I think this is the best shot that any film this year has at getting that $1 billion. It has the marketing machine of one of the most, uh, the best marketing companies in the world, Nintendo. They seem to be a lot more directly involved with the develop with both the marketing, you know, they're featuring it at, at um, you know, at, at with the Nintendo Direct events for the trailers, um, which always get a lot of views on Twitch and whatnot, and then also Miyamoto himself is working directly with the directors. Um, so, that, you know, they're definitely very involved in this one. Um, I also think, you know, that uh, it, it comes from Illumination, who have made the Minion movies, who have definitely have a couple billion dollar films under their belt. So I think they know what it needs to make a good animated film tick. And hey, of course, it is kind of the franchise. It's one, Mario is literally one of the most um, recognizable characters in the world. Yes, Pikachu is up there, and that didn't get to $100 million um, opening. But uh, I think Mario still is a, is a tier above Pikachu's. Uh, plus, Detective Detective Pikachu isn't exactly the mainline Pokemon uh, series. It's based off a spinoff game. So, um, of course, and and of course, I think kind of the, the cherry on top is that you know Mario, I think, is apolitical enough, and and Nintendo, I don't think, really has enough any beef with China at this point um, that Mario would get stonewalled out of appearing uh, in China. Uh, moving to, th to so that's the that's the first billion dollar film I would predict for the year, and of course, hundred million dollar opener. Um, in May, we have Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, this one has, a, I think, a more solid shot at $100 million than Ant-Man. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 made $145 million in its opening weekend. It's also the finale. Um, in fact, you know, kind of everyone wanting to see how the, the Guardians tale kind of comes to an end, especially with James Gunn leaving for DC. Um, that said, I think a billion dollar won't be so easy, given, again, the China situation. And also the Guardians franchise has just never made more than $900 million itself at the peak of the MCU. So, again, I, th I will call this one $100 million opener but not a billion dollar film. 
Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast comes in June for the fourth film. Now, the last couple of Transformer films haven't been that great, making only 44 million opening weekend and 22 million, 21 million, uh, being the kind of like the, the downfall of the Michael Bay Transformers and then kind of like the soft reboot with Bumblebee. Um, now, the reception of the trailer has been pretty great overall. The nostalgia for the Beast War TV series, I think, could come into play. You know, it's been several years removed, so I think there's hope that this one could do better, get to $100 million. It also seems that this film would do very well in China, um, given their history with the franchise. So I think it's more plausible than any other Marvel film, I think, that this could get to to $1 billion. Call it a 50-50 shot, I think, at this point for, for Transformers Rise of the Beast. Uh, moving to number five, also in June, uh, we have Indiana Jones, uh, Dial of Destiny. Now, it's been a while since that very awkward uh, Ch- Crystal Skull, uh, Crystal Kingdom, Cr- Skull, Cr- Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls movie, um, which made only $800 million worldwide, but that one did open to just barely above $100 million. I think, you know, with Harrison Ford coming back and Disney definitely putting this as one of the main priorities of the summer, I think this will definitely, I think, get $100 million uh, domestically opening. It'll be le- a bit of a harder sell in China just because they may not have the same reverence of for Indiana Jones as a character, um, but this could very well be one of the main priorities. But again, with Disney, this being one of Disney's main priorities of the summer, I think this gets there. Um, moving to July, we have the Marvel, which is the last uh, cap, which is uh, you know the last MCU film this year. Now, the last Captain Marvel movie did amazingly, opened the one fifty three million dollars, broke a billion dollars worldwide. Um, now, however, this one is kind of uh, even more entrenched with the Disney Plus TV series. Two of the Marvels in the titular Marvels come from the MCU shows. It also does not have the benefit of being sandwiched between the la- the two uh, kind of culminating Avengers films like uh, Captain Marvel was. So I don't think this one has as much hype uh, around it. Um, so while I think this one does make $100 million, I don't think a billion dollars is on the table. Again, especially with China being the way it is, sounding like a broken record. Uh, move Finally, for the last film, the seventh film, I think will open to $100 million this year. We have Dune 2. Now, this one admittedly is a bit of a stretch, probably the biggest stretch, even more so than Ant-Man uh, for making $100 million opening weekend. The last one opened to only $41 million and made only $108 million over its entire run. However, that was hampered by a couple things. One, it came out uh, kind of like was forced out the door in October, um, and there was kind of some uh, lingering pandemic fears from older audiences at the time. Um, also, you know, it, it competed against uh, 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 James Bond and notably was hampered by the day-and-date release strategy for a HBO Max films at the time. Um, this one, I think, will be an, this one obviously will be a theater, theatrical exclusive this year, and it also has built a bit of a name mechanism between getting a lot of Oscars for the first one, um, you know, the cast getting getting a lot of uh, buzz around it again, kind of adding to the cast from the last film. Um, it's also at the really juicy holiday period where it should really be able to leg it out into awards season. So, um, I also the fact that this is like the first one was meant for the big screen means it's to do get a little bit of help from the premium large format screens, kind of like how Avatar is taking advantage of that. I don't think a billion dollars is at play for Dune 2, but I would, I'm going to go ahead and this will be my bold prediction saying that Dune 2 makes $100 million opening uh, this year. Uh, now, if I had to say, I think, you know, probably, again, one, uh, let's say Ant-Man, Transformers, or Dune does end up missing $100 million. But of these seven, right, uh, they, they all of these seven should at least gross $100 million. And, you know, $600 million openers is pretty much in line with pre-pandemic numbers, even if it is a bit of a step down from last year. 
Now, as far as billion dollar films, I will basically put the ceiling at two. Uh, I'm probably going to say the Super Mario Brothers movie, um, and then one other, probably either Transformers movie or in a somehow really bizarre situation, uh, if Indiana Jones is somehow able to get there. But that, that's kind of my prediction, two billion dollar films this year. Now, as far as the $100 million grosses, here's a quick rundown of the other films I have my eye on. Um, so, you know, there's 20, there are 19 films I think will make $100 million over the life of the run. Uh, first, we have Megan. We already talked about that between the uh, TikTok virality, uh, great horror reviews, like Smile. I think this one's going to get a 3x multiplier and get there, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, number two, we have Creed 3. Uh, again, both prior films made $100 million. Um, so I think that is... Uh, that is um, that, that's, that's kind of in place here. Um, for number three, uh, we have Sazam 2, um, which is, uh, you know, there are marketing problems at uh, at WB right now, uh, but assuming they don't fumble the bag completely, uh, you know, the first one did make $140 million. So, um, I mean, if Black Adam can can, uh, can 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 get to $100 million over the life of its run, this one can. Um, number four, John Wick, John Wick 4. Um, part three made $171 million, up from 43 from the first, 92 for the second. So even if this one does decline a little from the third one. I think this one will still get to $100 million easily. Uh, number five, we had Dungeons and Dragons on Monk's Thief. I think of it like Sonic the Hedgehog or Pikachu. It's a brand name movie, um, which you know seems to be done competently from what I can see, getting to at least $100 million. Um, number six, we have Fast X, uh, the 10th Fast and Furious film. Even the pandemic, uh, Fast 9 made $173 million. Now, whether or not it'll be profitable over the long run, I don't think so. Um, but hey, um, that's kind of where we're at. Still make $100 million. Number seven, we have The Little Mermaid. Um, so, you know, Cruella, pre-pandemic, uh, during the pandemic, and Preach Dragon, having poor quality aside, every live-action film from Disney remake has made at least $100 million domestically. Now, this one could actually sneak into that $100 million opener category, but I think it depends on reception to casting as we get more info about it later on. Um, you know, Aladdin only made $96 million with Will Smith over the Memorial Day weekend. So I think this one could, you know, maybe be in a similar situation to that, though. You know, on the flip side, you have Beauty and the Beast and uh, and and Lion King doing really, really well, well over hundred million dollar opening. So Little Mermaid may be an opener. So you know, but I would say I, I'm not going to include it for now. On uh, number eight, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The first one made $190 million over its run. One of the most beloved animated films over the past decade. Uh, this one should easily get to $100 million. Uh, number nine, The Flash. And again, if Black Adam can make $100 million, The Flash can, even if it is a lame duck film for, for the DCEU. Um, number 10, we have Elemental. Uh, again, if Lightyear can make $100 million, then Elemental certainly can. Number 11, we have uh, Mission Impossible 7, uh, fresh off of Top Gun Maverick, plus every Mission Impossible film making at least $130 million over the life of their run. Uh, Tom, Tom Cruise will definitely get another $100 million film domestically here, uh, if not higher if people are hyped after Top Gun Maverick. Number 12, Oppenheimer from Christopher Nolan. Now, tenant aside due to the pandemic, every Chris Nolan film since The Dark Knight has made $180 million plus domestically, so I don't see any difference for Oppenheimer. Um, it probably won't make $100 million opening uh, because I don't think Chris, uh, Chris Nolan is that kind of filmmaker, but also it is competing on the same day as the Barbie film. I think this one will be a cult classic, a breakout hit that will leg it out to $100 million over the over the, over the life of its run. Um, you know, a lot of big names here, Margot Robbie, Ryan, Reynolds, um, or, or, or sorry, uh, um, um, not Ryan Reynolds, the other Ryan who, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, Simu Liu and others. Um, 
Number 14, we have The Hunger Games, uh, Ballad of Songbirds and, and whatever. Um, it's been eight years since the last one. I actually haven't watched any of the Hunger Games movies. Every film, though, has opened to at least $100 million minimum. Um, and I'm not sure that it would actually open to $100 million um, so far removed, but I should still at least make $100 million. Uh, number 15, we have Trolls 3. Now, Trolls 2 did uh, release during the pandemic, uh, directed direct to streaming, but the first one made $153 million domestically, so I don't th- see why this one shouldn't. Uh, number 16, we have Wiss, which is, uh, uh, you know, again, aside from Strange World and the pandemic films, you need to go back to 2003 to find a film from Disney that's made less than $100 million. Um, this is their 100th year celebration, so I think they'll do everything to make sure it makes a hit and, you know, have at least $100 million for 100 years. Uh, number 17 we have Wonka again assuming this that Warner Brothers doesn't fumble the bag this one is a musical over the holidays starring the current it boy Timothy Salome with the director of padding 2 attached to it from a very well-known story a lot of signs point to yes for this one especially if we can get some Oscar buzz at number 18, we have the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel. First one made $129 million over, despite Omicron uh, going on, so I think this one could also make $100 million. At number 19, we have Migration, which is an animated film from Illumination. They have not yet made a film that makes less than $100 million yet. I'm not going to think they start here. And at number 20, we have Aquaman. I miscounted. There were 20. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, the second uh, Aquaman movie, and probably the last DCEU film, um, you know, uh, getting to $100 million, I think. Uh, I see the flash from my notes. If Black Adam can make it, uh, this one certainly can. Now, these 20 uh, are, are I'm pretty confident in. In addition to the seven $100 million openers, this gets us to 27 for the year, which is near pre-pandemic numbers of the low 30s. From 2015 through 2019, we had 29, 30, 33, 34, and 30 films making $100 million, up from 17 uh, or 18 this, this past year. Now, a couple more I think have a shot, though I don't, I'm not going to exactly predict that these will, for sure. Um, Magic Mike, The Last Dance, you know, the first one made $113 million. The second one dropped down to only $66 million now. Now, I did have hopes that, you know, uh, Channing Tatum over over Christmas holiday could maybe – or ba- Valentine's Day holiday could get something to work. But with Warner Brothers in peril at the moment, not really spending on advertising for it, it looked less and less likely. Uh, but if it wouldn't, I'm not going to be completely surprised. Uh, number two, Scream 6, uh, the most recent film, made $81 million, up from $38 million 11 years prior. Now, it would still be another sizable increase, but hey, would renew the interest in the franchise. I think this one could get there. Number three, we have the Meg 2. Now, the first one was a, was a, a, a bizarre situation. It made $145 million in its initial run. Um, could they recapture the magic a second time, or was the first one a fluke? We'll, we'll have to see. Number four, we have Haunted Mansion. Uh, Jungle Cruise made $116 million with day-and-date release during the pandemic. So despite the somewhat awkward release window of August, I think another theme park-based uh, ride from Disney could really get there, especially with the cast attached. Number five, uh, we have a film that is uh, uncertain if it's actually in the DCU, DCEU. I'm not sure where it's going to be. It does come out in August, again, where more experiments are are kind of thrown out there. It's a relatively new character. Um, So we just haven't seen enough about this film to really make a call either way. Uh, number six, we have The Nun 2. Uh, the first one made uh, $117 million, which is the highest grossing uh, of the Conjuring spinoff films aside from the original. Uh, number seven, we have Haunting in Venice, the new Hercule Poirot film from uh, Kenneth Branagh. The first one made $102 million. The second one did drop off to $45 million, but that was mostly due to poor marketing, due to uh, having Army Hammer, unfortunately, be one of the main characters. So not a sure thing by any means, but it certainly if it behaves more like the first one, I think this one can get there. 
Uh, number eight, Craven the Hunter, the new um, the new uh, villain film from Sony in the in their Spider Verse. Um, which will we get? Will we get something more like Venom, or we get something more like Morbius? Craven is a more Morbius-like character in among Spider-Man's uh, Rogues Gallery, but uh, he does it does have the October Venom release date, which might be a little bit better for it. So uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, flip a coin. Uh, number nine, there's True Love, which is, you know, there's not a lot of uh, details on this one, but it's a, role, a science fiction film star, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, who directed the uh, Godzilla 2014 film and Rogue One, stars John David Washington, Gamma Chan, and Ken Watanabe, which looks pretty interesting. Just not enough known about this to really make a call, but I'm, I'm going to keep this on my radar. At uh, number 10, we have The Colored Purple, which is another December musical. You know, given how films like Respect and I Want to Dance have done lately, I'm cautious about saying this will make $100 million, but it does have strong source material. It's uh, impressive uh, with the cast. So, I mean, who knows? This could break out. Uh, but, I'm, again, not going to predict it. So, with 27, you know, I'm going to say call it 30% of these uh, of these 10, last 10. Um, you, know, uh, you know, call it, uh, call it, call it you know, um, 30 films total um, to look out to match the 2015 numbers for $100 million grosses. Or, you know, perhaps a film I haven't thought of or accounted for yet is able to break in there. So, we'll see. Anyway, uh, that's what I'm going to do for this episode. A couple of headlines, which I'll, I'll save for next episode, maybe. Uh, but next week, like I said, we'll get into every film currently on the release schedule between now and the end of April for a little bit more in-detail in preview, in preview for what you have to look forward to at the box office. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. You shoot me ideas for what else I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zealand.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Our show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, at the very least tell a friend any of that helps. If you're holding accidents, consider supporting us on Patreon, which will be not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all that in our show notes. Numbers you in this show come from dnumbers.com, intro and outro music from Kevin MacLeod, Incompetent of Filmmakers.io. Editing production by Dinsborn Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.